RN. Pause, renew, next. A podcast about soul care, scripture, and stories of faith. I'm Jenny Detweiler, and friends, I'm so glad you're here with me today. We are going to be talking with one of my favorite people, my husband, Derek. This is a fun listener request episode because last fall I had Derek on the podcast and we talked about technology and soul care. Specifically, we talked about the movie The Social Dilemma, which we'd both just watched, and kind of some of the things we thought about, both from a counseling perspective, and he is a game designer, so he talked about game design a little bit as well. And after that episode, I um, talked to somebody who asked if we could maybe do kind of a similar conversation, but make it more about kids and teenagers. I thought, hmm, that's interesting. Okay, so having said that, my husband's here. So welcome, Derek. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you are my favorite and most convenient guest, and I'm so glad you're here. And so both of us are sort of professionals. We, we're not sort of professionals. We are professionals. But I wouldn't say that we're experts when it comes to the stuff we're going to talk about today. So by professionals, I mean I'm a licensed counselor. And I've worked in that field for over a decade. And so I can talk about soul care with some proficiency and to some extent how technology affects us and our minds and our relationships. Um, But I wouldn't say I'm an expert in that arena. And Derek, do you want to share a little bit about your background? Sure. I'm a professional at designing fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I make games. uh, So a lot of game design going into Basically, how, how kids can interact with games and trying to make sure they have fun and at the same time learn something. So Yeah. So both of us come to the technology conversation from different backgrounds. Um, but when it comes to making good decisions with your kids, with your teenagers, how to set the stage for that, I wouldn't say that we're experts. In fact, we're kind of navigating that ourselves right now. So we have four kids. We have a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 5-year-old, all boys. And so we're kind of navigating this stuff for ourselves. It's one thing to know some stuff. It's another thing to have to implement it in your own home. And it's messy. I'm sure you guys know if you're a parent yourself and you're having to deal with, with all the technology issues that can come up and boundaries, it's tough. So I thought about that request and I thought, you know, that's a great conversation. And I think that's one that Derek and I would both be willing to have, but it would be great if we had some kind of resource to go off of. So I had a book recommended to me by a friend who had read who had read it. It's called The TechWise Family by Andy Crouch. So Derek and I both listened to it on audiobook, and then we kind of picked out the parts that stood out to us that we would want to talk about. Um, so in today's episode, that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about The TechWise Family things that we pulled out of it together, separately, our thoughts about that. And then we're going to have a follow-up episode in two weeks where we talk about the reality. How is life going in our house? What are we implementing? What are we learning along the way? How is it messy? Kind of like a Detweiler family reality check. So nobody thinks that we've got this perfect and we really know all the things because this is messy for sure. So honey, Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> First of all, what did you think about the book overall? Like, what were your thoughts? I think it served as a great lens to kind of look at the way that technology affects us uh, from another angle. Um, so I think a lot of the principles and the ideas in the book, I 
was somewhat aware of, but then being able to like see through somebody else's eyes and see the way that they were um, working through things with their family, I think was really beneficial for me personally. Um, and I like I, some of the stuff in the book, we've, we've been doing similar things in our home, but seeing the way that he was going about it and um, the kinds of measures that he was taking and the, I guess the foundations that he was setting for how he wanted his family to uh, approach technology was enlightening for me. Okay, I was thinking about this ahead of time, and I think here is my overall review of the book for anybody who would want to go pick up this resource later, which I'll link to it in today's podcast show notes. I thought it was really great as far as, like, soul care. Like, how do you take care of yourself when it comes to technology? How do you take care of your family? How do you set boundaries? How do you prioritize? How do you come at it from an outside perspective, kind of? But if you're looking for, like, specifics about apps that you can use or, you know, ways that you can monitor what your kids are doing, this book is not that. It doesn't really cover very many specifics like that. So that part wasn't, I mean, I don't think it's a great expert book when it comes to that kind of thing. But overall, like, setting the tone for the place that technology should place in our lives, I thought that, I thought it was really good. Mm -hmm. Um, There were lots of chapters in the book. What I really liked what Andy Crouch did was that he he would write a chapter about a specific subject and then at the end he would have a reality check about his family and how, how it was actually going in real life with his family. So I thought that was cool how he broke it up that way. So there are a few concepts that kind of stuck out to me. I don't know if there was any that stuck out to you that you would want to talk about. Um, I think probably the biggest thing that stuck out to me, I think it's because I... I hold a similar view on uh, how to use technology and how to, how to uh, make the, make the best relationship with it, I guess. And and that was his idea about um, creativity over consumption. Like the whole idea of like uh, using it for creativity and not using it just to consume media or consume entertainment. Um, And I thought the way that he addressed that and the way that he set up his home to encourage that was um, a neat, a neat way to handle things. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. Actually, that creativity over consumption theme I saw come up in a few podcasts I was listening to, that book, and maybe something I read all at the same time using almost the exact same words. So it felt like kind of a theme that maybe I should pay attention to. So we started thinking about that for our own family, which we'll talk about next episode, but how our culture is really set up for consuming things like even in church it's set up in a place that you come in you consume the information the worship whatever and you leave and nothing's really expected of you and he was talking about in the book how in the old olden days like up until 30 years ago when you went home you would play you had to like make make your own toys make your own fun like do stuff outside and now you come home and like it's everything's entertained for you. Nothing is required of you, really. All you have to do is like manipulate a joystick or a Wii, whatever you call them, or, you know, just sit down and watch a show. Like nothing's required of you. And so we've been thinking about how do we bring creativity to the forefront in our home? Because like your job is all about creativity. So you don't just consume media in your job. Like your whole job is about creating things for people to enjoy. Yeah. So what do you what do you think about what is the difference between 
creativity versus consumption in the lives of kids or in the lives of teenagers? How does that make a difference? Well, I just think the engagement's entirely different. Like um, when you're when you're doing creative work, uh, you're engaging your mind in a way that that you you so like using games as an example. Like, um, well, actually, there's there's very creative games where you can build things and create mm-hmm. things, and you're using your imagination to create something that's brand new. Um, whereas there's other games where you're it's more of like consumption, and you're you're basically following the lead of what the designers built for you to experience, and you go through it and you experience the way they they designed it for you. Um, but then taking a step back from that, like the whole whole idea of like creating games themselves, like I think it's great to have kids engaged in a way where it's like rather than looking at a game as something to be consumed, it's like, oh, I want to be able to create something that like that. And so I think things like Scratch or like even like Minecraft, like being able to like put things together in a new way, um, in a way that nobody else in the world has ever put together. Um, I think that's um, a great works for a great work for kids. It's a great way to engage with them and I don't know engage your brains in a healthy way rather than in a way that's just uh, uh, consuming and, and not really um, making any kind of difference in the way they think about things. Yeah. Okay, from a brain perspective for a minute, like from a counseling perspective, uh, one thing that I think about with teenagers is that when we're born, our brain is making lots and lots of connections. And then in early childhood, some of those connections get pruned off. And then our brain makes a lot more and then in late adolescence, the brain goes through a pruning process again and it starts at the back of your head and works all the way up to the prefrontal cortex so that your brain will be more functional and not have like too much going on that it doesn't really need and it organizes things. And so in the teenage years, you know, you're making all kinds of connections in the brain, like all the things that you're learning. And so, I mean, that may be a elementary way of saying it, but I think as an adult, we can totally be creative. We can learn things our entire lives, but we have this beautiful window in childhood and adolescence where we can learn skills that are really important, try out our hand at lots of different things. So if what our kids are learning to do with their time is hand-eye coordination only for video games, well, what parts of the brain haven't they used and haven't they engaged that's then later, you know, maybe going to be harder in adulthood? So I think being able to expose our kids to a lot of different kinds of activities or give them hands-on experiences and creativity is a piece of that, like letting them try hard things and fail sometimes, but all that's making huge connections in the brain. And so I'm a little worried for, you know, the kids and teenagers who are spending so many hours online right now because those are the connections that they're making in their brains um, during that time. That's real, I don't want to say critical, but a little bit. So I don't always think about that as a parent 24-7, but that is something for us to be considering, I think. Okay, there was another thing that I really liked what he talked about. He said, our home should be a place where we make a space for creativity. So he talked about in his home, they try not to have technology be a focal point, which I feel like in our house, kind of the same thing. Like we do have one large TV that actually our We've all got our couches kind of facing towards, but it's not like huge. It doesn't take over the whole wall. and But it seems like, you know, between iPads and like our kids are in public schools, so they've all got Google Chromebooks scattered everywhere, phones, like 
there's multiple screens in any given room at any given time. And so it kind of gets overwhelming. But his idea was to make a place where not as many screens are available, but there's other creative things available to do. So like books, craft tables, musical instruments, blah, 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 you know, those kinds of things that are more accessible and more familial in nature. Did you have any thoughts about that as he was talking about it or any ideas? Um, I thought it was a, uh, a neat perspective. Um, like I never really thought about like the physical place that things are in our home and, and the way that causes us to interact with them. Um, which I don't know. I think there's a lot of value in that. Like, uh, I think it's something that I, I, I would like to implement a little more in our home. Like we have the charging station is not in our living room. It's off in a side room, but, <laughs> uh, but I, I think the screens show up in our living room a lot more often than, uh, is probably healthy. So I like, I like the, his ideas about that. I think he had, he mentioned something like having musical instruments like you mentioned, but also having like a craft table that doesn't matter how messy it gets or what they do on it, but they can do whatever they want to on it to be, to do creative, make creative messes. And I think that's a, a neat idea. Um, Although as a mother of four boys, I was not into that because <laughs> I can only imagine. Our carpets are ready. Really oh good. my goodness. Fine. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that makes me cringe a little bit. But anyway, <laughs> that would be a safe space for them and maybe not for me anymore. But Well, <laughs> like we, we do have like a, the downstairs yeah, area that they tend to do a lot of stuff in. And there's no, like we have a huge table full of Legos. And that's true. There's, screens don't make it down there very often. So It's true. Okay, one thing that I really liked that he talked about was he had a whole chapter on work and rest and how um, in our culture, work is now more like toil and rest has been turned more into leisure. And I thought that that was really good and something I hadn't thought about quite in those terms before, but So he talked about how work is something that we put our hands to do, and it's something that was happening in the Garden of Eden even before sin happened. So work is just productivity, like putting our hands to the plow, making things, doing things, and there can be rest. There has to be rest. God made us to work, and he made us to rest. But in today's culture, Um, work doesn't seem to end. And for many of us, it's more like toil. For instance, there's not an end to the day. You might still be getting emails dinging through your phone at 10 o'clock at night. Same thing for our kids who are getting stuff from school, even on the weekends, notifications and things like this, and how it's not a productive kind of work. Like there doesn't seem to be an end to it sometimes. Like you can't just put up your shovel at the end of the day and go inside. Like It continues, and it's not always things that we actually would want to be doing or that we can see evidence of that feels rewarding in a lot of times. And then he also talks about the difference between rest and leisure. So rest is taking a break, maybe sleeping, maybe doing something that is renewal. And this is why I want to talk about this because I really feel like this hits the soul care topic really, really well. But our culture doesn't rest very well. Instead, what we do is we want to have leisure time, meaning we want something that takes our mind off of our problems where we can kind of like binge Netflix for a few hours or where we can take a vacation, but we're still taking all our technology with us and kind of just entertaining ourselves 
rather than stopping everything and allowing ourselves to be replenished. And I think that that is such a good distinction to make and something that I really wanted to think about. How can my work be work versus thinking of it more like toil, like something that doesn't end, being able to set boundaries on it or put it in a healthy place in my life? And how can my rest be really be restful versus taking time to do me time and have it be leisure, but come back out of it feeling unrested and still restless and still dreading what comes next? Because I do think that there's a big difference there. I think one of the other things that stood out for me uh, from this this book and, and talking about having technology in its proper place um, is the idea of how we as parents um, kind of set the tone for how how technology is used in the home. So I think it's like wise for us uh, to um, recognize, to notice how we use technology. And if kind of going back to what you were saying, are we using it um, like in our work and in our leisure, are we using it in healthy ways where we can actually get rest, where we're actually working and not just toiling? Because I think, especially with us having cell phones on us all the time, whether whether it's because we need to for our jobs or, or whatever, um, and our kids are watching everything we do. Um, and if we're always on our cell phone, like they're, they're paying attention to that. And if we're um, always being entertained by what's on TV or whatever, and that's the only kind of rest that they see us taking, which isn't true rest, then like, I think that's, that's what, that's the relationship they're seeing with technology. I think that's the relationship with technology that they would emulate. And so I think kind of um, paying attention to what, what we're paying attention to as parents. And if we're, if we're setting a good example of, of what putting technology in its proper place looks like, if that means uh, me setting timers on the apps on my own phone <laughs> so that I'm not spending more time than I need to on things that are not important on my phone, um, then I need to do that not just for my own health, but for the health of my family, because they're watching everything that I do. Um, and I think about the same thing with um, the way that I, that we engage with uh, that's got technology in, in our lives, like in our work. If, if we're letting it run our lives outside of work hours and, um, or whether it's something that we, we shut that part off when we come home and which is odd for me because I work from home. So <laughs> the line gets a little bit blurrier, but uh but still, I think the principle still applies of like uh, doing productive things with with technology and our kids are always watching. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, along that same rest theme, I I liked and I agreed with that he had a rule in there where you put your phone to bed before you go to bed and it shouldn't be in your bedroom. And I think that that's really important. For me, I put it in the bathroom when I go to bed. But for our kids, uh, and we may talk more about this in our next episode when we actually talk about our lives, but um, I don't want them to have their cell phones in their room for multiple obvious reasons. Number one, I don't want them to be awake in the night playing on it. Number two, we don't want them to be getting into stuff that we're not aware that they're doing um, or communications with people or anything like that. And as a counselor, uh, that has been a concern that has come up uh what some of the teenagers I've seen over the years um, and their parents were not even aware that people were contacting them in the middle of the night or that, you know, they were using apps in the middle, in the middle of the night um, when they thought their parents thought that they were asleep, but their friend was texting them 
or whatever at three o'clock in the morning and they were tired the next day and their parents didn't know why. And um, so I think, you know, we, of course, want to trust our kids, but also it's just better for us and for them to have our phones be put to bed at night so that we can rest better. And I think it like an app sort of gets shut off in our own brains when that phone gets put away so that we really can rest better and we're not waiting for the next beep or the next ding or the next like or whatever. And same thing for our kids. And on that same note, I wanted to talk to you about this. He made mention, I think, pretty explicitly that he felt like spouses should never have passwords on their phones from each other, like that you should always know each other's passwords. Um, and same thing for our kids. And so I wanted to know, what do you think about that? Um, sure. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure you know my password. Yes. <laughs> I yeah. probably figure yours out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, in a healthy relationship, um, I think it's probably not that big of a deal. Um, I think it's, if you have unhealthy tendencies, then it's probably a lot bigger of a deal. But um, yeah. <laughs> So in other words, if you don't have something to hide, it shouldn't be a problem. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of trust there because because I trust you, I don't feel like that I really need to worry about it. But if I ever did, I know that I would have access to go look at your stuff if I needed to. Or if I, like for instance, just set up a HelloFresh account using your email, I could go into your email to go find it. <laughs> I told him myself. Uh, anyway, but also... When it comes to our kids, especially our teenagers, but now kids are getting phones too, I think it's really important that we as parents, um, it's real easy for them to baby be babysat by their phones and we get too tired. Like personally, I just get too tired. I always thought I would check every single thing and now I just realize that I'm like checked out a little bit and it takes a lot of effort to be doing that. And so I think it is important that we know kind of like who our kids' contacts are and that we do have access to their phones and can see what they've been doing. And I know I've been talking to a few of my friends who whose kids are on social media and they have apps on their phones where they can see what their kids are doing on social media. And I think, you know, people may have different opinions about that, but in a lot of ways, while they're trying to figure out their way in the world, having guidance to do that, navigating an online world is tough as an adult, but it's crazy tough as a kid trying to figure out all the nuances that go with that. And so I think us being able to help them and not stalk them, but be wise and help them on their way is probably a good idea. Did you have any thoughts about that or anything you'd want to add? Well, I would say it, it like, it, it also goes hand in hand with like, I think the age and the maturity of the child, like I don't, mm-hmm. oh, I, yeah. I think the level of supervision, like as, as our children get older, like has naturally, um, like we've given them m- m- more, I don't, I don't know what the right term is, <laughs> more liberty, uh, as they've gotten older, like we've allowed them to. Right. I'm not going to be checking my 25 year old social media. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whereas like the five year old, we got to keep an eye on everything he does. Oh cause... my word. <laughs> <laughs> he figured out how to <laughs> he figured out how to type. So now he knows that if he types things into that little white bar at the top, he can get anything he wants. Well, one day <laughs> one day, I don't even know what he stumbled upon, but I figured out he was trying to put in PBS kids, but he was spelling it out in his own head and so he'd put P 
P-E-E-B something. I don't know. I don't even know what he got into, but I was like, <laughs> oh, buddy, let's not be typing stuff into that white bar without mommy. <laughs> so, and that's completely innocent, but we don't know what our kids are getting into. So it's, it's hard, but I feel like to some extent we really have to be aware of those things. So. Sure. Yeah. And especially if you have certain standards and stuff of, of like things that we allow to happen in our home, then I think it's important to First of all, make our kids aware of it, um, like where the boundaries lie. And then secondly, um, make sure that uh, they stay within those boundaries. Mm-hmm. Okay. Was there anything else from the book? How would you rate it? Um, 77 out of 80. Okay. Uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> that was actually the first book I have read by Andy Crouch, but um, I know he's written a lot of other really great things that have great reviews, so I'll probably go read some more of his stuff, but I thought it was a really great jumping off point for a conversation and just to kind of wrap our minds around um, kind of a perspective outside of our own heads about what is healthy. Like, how do you set a tone when it comes to technology? Although I do have to say um, that if, if you're listening, Andy, <laughs> uh, we enjoyed it, but every time... So it was audiobook. So every time you came on, our kids were like, oh, no, not him again. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. So, yeah, that'll come up in our next episode. But our kids have not been completely on board with boundaries around technology. I'm sure you guys have never have had that problem at your houses, but we are getting great information out of it. Our kids would beg to differ. And that is the hard thing, isn't it? At when it comes to parenting, when it comes to mentoring, when it comes to grandparenting, when it comes to babysitting, like our boundaries are never easy for our kids because they always want to pass them. So for us to know what is healthy for us and then begin to emulate that for our kids, I think is a great starting point too, which I'm navigating personally and it's tough. What about for you? It's super easy. No, I'm <laughs> Uh, it probably is easier for you than it is for me. I have a hard time cutting things off sometimes. Yeah. I, I think for me, it's more of a, an awareness of like being aware of, of, of what I'm doing and how often I'm looking at a screen and what it looks like for my kids. So. Yeah. Yeah. Way to be self-aware. That's right. That's what I'm working on. I said, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so friends, I hope that you enjoyed this discussion. We didn't get into the nitty-gritty so much as just kind of talking about it from a book perspective. But what we're going to do in the next episode is jump into our own personal lives and how things are going with our kids, the challenges that have arisen this year during the pandemic, and some of the things that we see on the horizon as our kids are getting bigger as well. So if that interests you, come back in two weeks to hear that episode. Um, will we be interviewing our kids? No. <laughs> we will not be inter- interviewing our kids, but <laughs> no, we will not. Because I don't think you guys would want to hear what they have to say about this topic. So. <laughs> uh, when they're adults, we should, if I'm still doing this podcast, wait on the line. We'll bring them back and see what their thoughts are. As they're fully formed. But right now, I don't think that that would be a good idea. Um, Okay, friends. Well, thank you for joining us today. That is all for this podcast episode. Thanks, babe, for being absolutely a good wall to bounce things off of. (laughs) (laughs) 
thanks for being a good partner in crime and doing this with me and reading the book with me and all the things. You're always so supportive for PRN, and I appreciate it. But also, you're yeah. just supportive in life because we're parents together. Uh, so. I say you're super great and awesome, too. So. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> if you're interested in hearing the first episode that we did, episode 47, last fall, I will link to that in today's show notes. And I will link to the book that we talked about today as well. Um, you can find me always at Pause Renew Next on Instagram or Twitter. And you can join our Facebook community as well if you want to keep up to date with things that are happening or just see fun posts. You can also post a comment about thoughts that you had about this podcast episode. I'd love to see that. You can always post a comment under today's show notes on the website or your favorite podcasting app as well. And if you're not already subscribed, go subscribe. That way you will not miss a podcast episode. Well, that is all for today's podcast episode. I'm Jenny Detweller, along with my husband, Derek, for this podcast episode. And you've been listening to PRN, Pause, Renew, Next, the podcast. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus. Jesus.